Listening to Cannabis Health Radio. Here are your hosts, Ian Jessup and Corey Yelland. Welcome to another episode of Cannabis Health Radio. I'm Ian Jessup. And I'm Corey Yelland. We're always looking for people to interview on Cannabis Health Radio. So if you are a user of cannabis for medical purposes and want to be interviewed by us, then send us an email at info at CannabisHealthRadio.com. And just send a bit of background. doesn't have to be very long, just a few sentences on your use of medical cannabis and how it has helped you. And uh, send us a contact and we'll get in touch with you. And uh, we'd like to interview you about how medical cannabis has helped you. So that's info at CannabisHealthRadio.com. Today in the program, we're going to talk to two people in Colorado, Christy and Brandon, about their use of cannabis and how it has helped them and how it has improved their health. And we welcome them to the program. Christy and Brandon, good to talk to you. Thanks very much. Hello. Brandon, tell me your story about uh, what happened to you in the motor vehicle accident. Well, I was plowing snow that day. That was my job. I was a snowplow driver and was finished with the day and was heading home from work. This was probably around noon. And I got on I-70, big four-lane highway, and uh, the next thing I remember was trying to walk around on the highway and people from the ambulance telling me, no, get back in. And they got me in the ambulance. I had no idea what was going on. I thought I had parked my car. I, I was confused, but I had a seizure while I was driving. And uh, it, it kind of started from there. I, uh, I, I guess if you want detail, what, what would you like details on? Well, was this the, your very first seizure? Uh, this this was the first one that I had had while driving, and the first one I had had while I was awake. I had had a possible seizure before in my sleep, and then there was another one when I was a teenager um, that was triggered by something, we think. So I, I don't know that that was related, but th- this was the first time it was staring me in the face. So it was intermittent. You didn't know when, and they were infrequent, and you just happened to be driving uh, at work that day, and bang, you were hit with a seizure, right? Yes, yes, exactly what happened. So what happened next? Well, let's see, I crashed my truck in a snowbank, and and I thought I had parked it, because literally right before I got on the highway, my, my tailgate popped open. I had to stop the truck to close it, and then, and I got moving again. So I was really just confused, disoriented, but they thought I had a seizure and insisted that I go to the hospital, and I, I went on an ambulance ride. And uh, let's see, how did it uh, kind of pan out there? In, in the hospital, they, they thought I had a seizure, but again, my memory didn't come back for kind of a lot later. Um they, they ended up charging me with a DUI that day, uh, which got dropped because there wasn't drunk. I, I didn't have anything in my system. They did the test, but uh, they they were convinced I had done something wrong that day. Mm. Hmm. So, would did the doctors uh, offer you medication at all, or where where did not they- at that 
they, they they told me I should see a neurologist. And did you? Yes, I did. And the neurologist said? Uh, he put me at first on Keppra. Uh, they started putting me on medication, and, and they, we did some more testing, you know, then. But uh, for a while, they insisted that I that I take drugs, starting with Keppra. So do you feel it helped? And, and, uh, not really, no. no. The, the, a lot of these drugs have side effects, and I, I, I did not tolerate, or, you know, they were worse than having seizures on, on the first um, drug. And they, they, they put me on several others, uh, Lamictal, Depakote, um what am I now about Lantern? Um, it. What I can say is most all of these drugs have horrible side effects, and um, some of them don't work. There's one of them they put me on that that caused seizures every day when I was on it. But we've been looking uh, for an alternative. I, I've really been wanting to find something natural that'll control my seizures and have fewer side effects, and something that I can have a lot more control over. And you started on uh, you started on cannabis, or were you a cannabis user prior to your accident? Yes, I, I was a, a smoker, kind of a light smoker. A light smoker. And, and, and I, yes, and, and after this time, I started looking for high CBD um, strains, which were really hard to find for me at the time. How long ago was this, Brandon? Your accident. Uh, this was two years ago. Okay. So you're looking for high CBD strains, and do you take oil now, or do you smoke it, edibles, or how do you consume it? Um, I Edible, I, I have a, an oil mix that I make with coconut oil and a high CBD cannabis strain that I have, and that is uh, the, the main daily medication that I take. And, and I'm playing around with putting that into a capsule form now. So it, it's, it, it's uh, I, I'm adjusting it slightly, but that is my daily routine. It's interesting. I always like to ask people how they make it, because we get a number of requests here on, on how to make the mm-hmm. oil. So can you take us through how you make your uh, cannabis coconut uh, concoction? Yeah, uh, there, I, there's a, if I, if you Google, um, cannabis paste, you will come up with a recipe like this. And I take four ounces of, uh, coconut oil and I mix that. I, I take, um, the cannabis I'm gonna infuse, which would be one ounce. I powder it, really grind it up to a fine powder and then decarboxylate it and then infuse that in the oil. And, and that process goes at 180 for about 12 hours. Okay, when you say you decarboxylate it, can you explain that to listeners so they have a full understanding of what you mean? Uh, yes, it, it, to activate the THC that is in there, and it, it, uh, it has to be heated first. Mm-hmm. There's a process of heating it. Okay. Now, how have you found that this oil that you make works for you? It has cut my seizures back from um, multiple a day up to four a day to um, I recently went four months without a seizure. Wow, that's impressive. Yes, but now I've had one and then another seven days apart, so I'm still working on it, and I've recently increased my dose again. I'm I'm trying to find where I need to be because it's right now a lot of experimentation. Yeah, it's a little trial and error, isn't it? Yes. What? Uh, how much do you take a day? 
Well, I, my capsules that I take, they are double alt capsules, and I've got them filled up, and I take 12 of those a day. Um, the oil is intermittent, um, but I'm taking oil between the doses of capsules, too. Mm. Now, is all of this CBD, or is there some THC as well? This is a strain that is 5% THC and 25 CBD. Okay, so there is some THC with it. Now, how? Uh, let's bring Christy in. Uh, Christy? Yes, hello. Hi, Christy. Now, you, Hi. Christy, you suffered uh, or suffer from scoliosis and yes. the pain of, of that. Tell us your story. I was born with a birth defect called scoliosis, and chiropractors throughout my childhood told me that I would be in a back brace throughout my life. I was not willing to be so bound up in uh, you know, medical equipment throughout my life, and I wanted to find natural ways. So I went to the chiropractor and had physical uh, manipulations of my spine throughout my life, which I found had actually made the joints in my body looser and more apt to pop out of place from so many uh, adjustments. So I started looking uh, for pain relief through doctors, not knowing that there were alternatives back in the 80s, and uh, really got involved with opiates far beyond anything I'd ever imagined I could be. Finally, about six years ago, I had just had it with being chained to doctors and pharmacies. I was wanting to travel and leave the country, and I could never do anything for more than 30 days because of my addiction. I had to be back to a pharmacy or I was sick. So I had finally gotten sick and tired of being sick and tired of that rat race and decided to do some research on cannabis. And I'd heard some things about other people helping their withdrawal symptoms, for getting off of opiates, and I looked into it, and it just light bulbs went off in my head. It was exactly what I needed to get off of all of these prescription pills and try to gain control of my life and my health back. So I got into making paste, just like Brandon does, and taking capsules, and it was a long 18-month kick. I will admit that getting off of opiates is not an easy thing, but I could not have done it without cannabis. The level of nausea and pain racking my body from over 30 years of opiates was absolutely unbearable. Without the cannabis, I do not think I could have done it. I think I would have ended up in a mental institution. Uh, The cannabis really gave me my life back. Now, uh, six years off of the pills, looking back, it was the best decision I ever made. I could never go back. With how bad was the pain you were dealing with on a scale of 1 to 10, with 10 being the worst? I would say I was walking around with an 8 all the time. And then in 1998, I was involved in a very severe car accident where I broke my neck and most of my face. Several surgeries and years of therapy later, I have full use of everything now. But the the pain, the residual pain in my joints from scar tissue and things like that, um, it's still there. The cannabis is what helps now, though. I'm on no prescriptions whatsoever. Good for you. Yeah, that's great. And you feel uh, you feel a lot better, I would imagine, getting off of those uh, those opiates. Much better. I will definitely say that opiates are uh, a terrible, terrible thing. They convince your mind that you're actually in more pain than you are. And when you can finally break free of that addiction, you'll realize that the minimal amount of pain that you were actually dealing with in the beginning is tolerable. It really is. With some movement and some exercise and some therapy, there's, there's no pain in my body that's absolutely unbearable like I thought it was when I was addicted to the opiates. What would your life be like without cannabis? I think that I would be back on prescription pills. There would be nothing to manage my anxiety or my physical pain, and the inflammation in the joints especially. 
Have you gone through any period in which you haven't consumed cannabis and the pain resurfaced? No, I have not experimented with that yet. Yeah. Being a caregiver in Colorado, it's easy for us to have the supply of whatever strain that we want. So we have not had to deal with going without. Christy, when you were getting off of opiates and you were doing cannabis, were you doing the same as uh, Brandon in doing a high CBD or were you doing high THC? I was doing both high CBD and high THC. So would you take them both at the same time or at different times? They were mixed together in the paste. Okay. So about a 50-50 ratio, would you say? Yes. Thanks. Yeah, you're lucky in Colorado where you uh, have you have legal recreational as well as medical, correct? Yes. Um, I think our most frustrating thing here in Colorado is that a lot of the dispensaries and the bud tenders are not very educated and have a hard time explaining things. Uh, we need to have a lot more education here in Colorado for people that are offering uh, products and flowers to medical patients. They just need to be able to answer questions on how to help them. Uh, I think that uh, that's been our biggest challenge is finding the right strain and then finding information, being able to test strains so that we have accurate information on what is contained in those flowers, and then being able to properly help people because it's a completely different ratio for epilepsy than it is for cancer, uh, considering THC to CBD. So it's good to be educated on what you need, not just tell people you need marijuana. Yeah, I'm running into that a lot, Christy. I get tons of calls from people um, who aren't receiving any direction and they've purchased product either in Washington or Colorado, actually, and with no instruction on how to use it. And then, of course, you know, they call me and it's kind of an unknown for me. You know, I say to them, I'm, I'm trying to, you know, you're asking me to comment on something that I know nothing about. You know, I have no idea what the product is. Right. So it's frustrating. One of the issues that you raise is very interesting because I think it is true everywhere that cannabis is sold. I was in a dispensary uh, trying to actually sell them on sponsorship of the program, <laughs> but uh, it was very nicely laid out, and they had a, a nice medical uh, section and recreational section, and the co-owner was there, and he said, we make most of our money on the recreational side. And uh, we make very little on the medical side. So I think that's what they're doing is they're hiring people who know a lot about the recreational side of marijuana, how to get high and what what strains, what to smoke. But when it comes to the medical side, it's much more complex. Mm-hmm. And I don't think you're going to hire someone at minimum wage to uh, to explain that to you. Well, I think the other issue here, too, is a lot of people aren't willing to get medical cards. And you have to have a medical card to go into the medical side of the dispensary. If you don't have a card, excuse me, you cannot shop there. So it's showing lower numbers on that side just because people aren't willing to get cards. It's not very expensive to get a card. You have to see a doctor that would be anywhere from 100 to 250 depending on where the doctor is. And then it's about, what, 17 or $19 to get a, a license from the state. It's not very expensive. But now you're on a state registry showing that you are a medicinal marijuana user, and a lot of people are still very paranoid about having their name on a list because they don't know what's happening with the federal laws. Yeah, that's a very, that's a very good point. Now, you, do you folks grow your own? Yes, we do. Is there a limit on the number of plants you're allowed to grow? We are caregivers, so we have patients who go to doctors and then are assigned a plant number, a plant count. In other words, if it's someone who just smokes, they might get a plant count of 6 to 12 plants. 
If it's someone who needs medicine in the form of edibles or tinctures, things that will take a lot more flour to produce, they may get a number anywhere from 12 to 99. And then they bring that paperwork to us and we grow those plants for them. Then oftentimes we have a little bit more than what a patient would, would need back from us. So we're then allowed to sell that to the public. That sounds like a fun business, actually. It is actually the answer to our life's dreams. We stay home and take care of plants all day long. (laughs) Hard for me to do a a normal, traditional job right now. Right. Since Brandon is not allowed to drive anymore with the epilepsy, it was just a natural thing for us to start a business at home. What sort of uh, response do you get from the police in Colorado with respect to growing plants? They really don't bother anybody unless there is some kind of connection to mob ties or uh, gangs or anything else that they're really trying to stop. I have not seen much regulation at all. Um, When they passed the law for recreational, that said that anybody in the state could grow six plants. I have yet to hear one single story of anybody having their house raided to see how many plants they have. I'm not really sure that they're spending a lot of money on enforcement. When you grow uh, plants, do you grow, uh, what sort of strains do you grow? I'm asking a very stupid question here, but uh, is... is... There, there are definitely no stupid questions. Okay. We have indica, uh, sativa, and hybrid. Uh, we average about 23 different strains, and one of our specialties is breeding. In the summertime, we like to take our strains and uh, grow boys that we leave outside and collect the pollen and then create seeds on the female of our choice and create unique strains that no one else has. We're right now working with a breeder trying to create a high THC, high CBD strain, which right now does not exist. Wow. Interesting. That's very interesting. Now, Ian has a friend who has glaucoma really badly. He's legally blind, and um, I think he can only just see shadows now. Yeah, he's uh, he feels, I talked to him the other day, and he thinks within the next few months he'd be totally blind. And he tried a high THC, and because he suffers from depression as well, he uh, it made him very paranoid. And uh, I'm trying to find some sort of oil, or plant or strain that he could use that would be helpful for glaucoma. Do you have any ideas? Well, we know that marijuana changes the ocular pressure when smoked uh, or vaporized. Mm -hmm. Uh, And what has been helping glaucoma patients, I'm not 100% sure about any further medicinal help in the eyes themselves, but I do know for anxiety, an indica strain would be much better than a sativa strain. Sativa strains can actually enhance anxiety. So it's good to know what to recommend to someone. With anxiety, I would recommend an indica with a low THC. Yeah. Great. So you guys are having fun down there? Uh, we're absolutely loving it. <laughs> Brandon, let me ask you about your, uh, your, your seizures. Yeah. How are you feeling today compared to, uh, say, around the time near your accident? Well, um a lot of time has passed since then. Uh, I've had a lot of seizures since then. So, um, all right, how do I feel? My my world is completely different now. Um, I mean, literally, I'm in a, a completely different place. But it, it, it is a lot better than it was at that time. Do you do you feel that your your health is improving? Yes. Okay. When I'm off the pills. When you're off the pills, yeah. Which no. I am right now. 
Now, we hear that from a lot of people who are on various pharmaceutical medications who would like to get off. As a matter of fact, we were talking to, um, was it Jeff Waters in Colorado? Yes. He was on 22 pharmaceutical drugs at at, uh, the height of his issue. With wow. with COPD, and uh, it took him, like Christy said, it took well over a year to get off them. But uh, once you're off them, uh, the people feel a lot better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Brandon, I was noticing one of the things uh, that you do is you actually apply um, a tincture to the soles of your feet. Yes, we've got a tincture right now that we're about to to try for this. It, 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 it's been in the making for a while now, but we have it. I think it is ready, and we've got a, a roller uh, applicator system that we're going to fill up, and then next time I'm having a seizure, Christy's going to put that on my under my toes and see if that helps, and I'm, I'm expecting that this might. Interesting. How did you come up with this idea? I've heard of, of, of other herbs being infused this way. Um, it, it's like frankincense is yeah. one. It, the, the system is, is known, it is out there. Um, as far as using a tincture like this, uh, it just comes down to thinking this sounds like a good idea. We've got to try this. You can't get anything in your mouth. And, and, and nothing can be put in my mouth. That, that's very, way too dangerous. Yeah, while you're having the seizure, yeah. Good of both of you to do this. We uh, greatly appreciate it, and uh, good luck with your your business, and uh, and good health to both of you. Thank you very much. Great. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, folks. In that interview, Brandon mentioned about cannabis paste and how to make it, and we're going to post this on our website, also on our Facebook page. And it talks about two methods of making cannabis paste. First of all, you need some cannabis bud, of course, and some oil, preferably coconut oil. And this article says one method of heating is to add one ounce of cannabis bud and two ounces of coconut oil to a small mason jar. The cannabis and oil are mixed thoroughly and then added to the jar, and the jar is added to a pot of water that is heated to 180 degrees for 10.5 or 11 hours. Now, the mixture is heated to decarboxylate the cannabis, and the oil is used so the body will absorb the cannabis when it's consumed. Without the oil, the fat, the cannabis will make its way through the body undigested. With the cannabis paste... Cannabis binds with the oil in the mixture, and the body is able to absorb the fat, the oil containing cannabis. And if you listen to episode 11 that we did uh, several months ago, this fellow from eastern Canada had lung cancer. And his brother died of lung cancer, and his brother underwent chemotherapy, and he had a terrible time with chemotherapy. And uh, this fellow from Eastern Canada, his name is David, said he would never go through that. So he decided to try cannabis paste. And in 10 weeks, 10 weeks from being diagnosed with lung cancer, he was cancer free. Now, I've given you one method of making cannabis paste. And this article says there is another process of heating the cannabis. The aim is just to decarboxylate the cannabis. He says, we can also achieve this by heating the cannabis in an oven at 220 degrees for two hours. You want to use a good size Pyrex container so your cannabis is spread out 
and cover the container with aluminum foil to keep the smell in and let the pressure out. The internal temperature of the cannabis will reach 200 degrees. After your cannabis is decarboxylated, mix the cannabis and the coconut oil and you're done. Then you have your cannabis paste. The article goes on to suggest a recommended dosage is to start off by taking one gram of the cannabis paste a day and work your way up to a strong dose of 2.4 grams a day. A one ounce of cannabis and two ounces of coconut oil mix will give you a month's supply of cannabis paste using 2.4 grams a day. Now, people use vegetable glycerin, olive oil, or coconut oil to make the cannabis this article suggests cannabis paste, uh, cannabis oil rather, is best because of its antiviral and healing properties. And there you have it, another episode of Cannabis Health Radio. If you'd like to assist us in our cause and in our mission to help people all over the world improve their health through the medical use of cannabis, then go to our website, CannabisHealthRadio.com, go to the donate page, and make a contribution either a one-time contribution or become a monthly contributor. And you can do that by going to CannabisHealthRadio.com. And for those who have made a contribution so far, we thank you very much. And that's it, another edition of Cannabis Health Radio. You've been listening to the Cannabis Health Radio podcast. Visit our website, CannabisHealthRadio.com, and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to PodConnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Are you looking for the next great cannabis business to invest in? Then you need to check out the MJ Bulls podcast. Hi, I'm Dan Humiston. Join me each week as I speak to both cannabis entrepreneurs who are raising capital and cannabis investors who are investing capital. Our 10-minute episodes are perfect for the busy investor. Start listening to the MJ Bulls podcast today, wherever you listen to podcasts, and who knows, maybe you'll discover the next cannabis unicorn.